0: Hey there, this is Jen Wade, part of the core team here at Springs Church. We just want to say thank you so much for joining us and listening to our podcast. We are praying that it encourages you and it inspires you. And if you'd like to find out more about Springs Church, please visit our website, springschurch.co.uk. Here's to today's message. This afternoon, we have the wonderful Pastor Lisa Parks
1: from the Hope Church, Russell's Hall. From Russell's Hall, we're going to let her into is that all right? Is that okay? He um, you've got a passport, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, not from up and down. just will you be just fine. Pastor Lisa um, has been a friend of ours for a very, very, very long time. And uh, Pastor Lisa's family has been an inspiration in these parts for a, a long time. A long time. And uh, Living Hope Church has just had its 20th anniversary, hasn't it? 20 years, guys. That's amazing, isn't it? Uh, so Springs Church is 8 years old. And so we're looking up at these guys going, oh, that's how you do it." And, uh, and so we we're really blessed in this afternoon Lisa. And uh, last week we started uh, a bit of a preach series called The Generous Life and Lisa's going to be preaching into that but also inspiring us with the Word of God. In this church we preach from the Bible. We believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Amen? Amen? And so we take our information and our source of authority from the Word of God. And uh, by His Holy Spirit He brings it to life to us today. So I'm just going to pray for Lisa. Father, I just want to say thank you so much uh, for Lisa and for Dan and for the boys and for everyone living Hope Church. Yeah. Father, it's really good to know that we have friends in this area that are looking the same Jesus that we do and are unafraid and unapologetic with uh, the truth that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. And Father, we pray that as Lisa um, preaches this afternoon, you would bless her. Father, I pray that she feel really at home. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you, my
0: Fantastic. Thank you. Wow. What a welcome. I feel so welcomed here. Um, amazing coffee just to set me up for this preach. But also, yeah, I can just really sense God's presence here in this place. You know, as Hannah was sharing her testimony and with the song words that we've just been singing, I'm like, wow, God, this is setting up for what you want to say here in this place today. So for those of you who have not met before, maybe works in education. So uh, for, for us, uh, with Pete and Rachel, we have this kind of affinity where one of us is called to ministry and into church and the other one is called into education. Of course, there's a sense in which as a married couple we're called into both and together. Um, so we have a real connection over that. And I do love your leaders here at Springs. Um, I know Lindsay particularly well. She was part of our planting team 20 years ago. I know she doesn't look old enough at all. Um, but she was part of our planting team. So uh, Lindsay and myself, we were on the kids team together and in the worship team together as well. Um, so it's, it's such a joy to be here my first time in Springs. I oh, where have I got to go, right? It's like, catch us if you can. You were like over at a pub sometime, then you are at Robert's, now you're here, and you've probably been some other places in between. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to pick up on this idea of God's great generosity to us. And I'm super excited about this theme. I think it's an incredibly brave theme in the middle of our current financial crisis. It is a brave theme, but it is a God theme, as Pete set up last week. And I don't know if you know this, but science has proved that we are all selfish. What? So this is a great thing for us to look at, yes? I mean, we didn't really need, like, kind of science experiments and research to prove this to us, right? If you've ever been to a toddler group, all you have to do is look at a two-year-old, and they do not want to share their stuff, do they? <laughs> they just do not want to share anything at all. and. Um, And I was recently on a Ryanair flight. Now, we do like Ryanair and EasyJet, but only for the fact that they are cheap, right? There is no room at all on these flights. And um, and so my husband and I, we were going to a friend's wedding, and of course, when there is a scarcity of space, like, so a lack of space in an aeroplane, you see people's own selfish desires come out, don't you? So you see those who straight away go booking on well, the window seats, especially the nervous flyers, right? Window seats. So, your own desires, your own needs come to the front, don't they, when you're a nervous flyer? And then you've got those with the extra long legs. Anyone who needs the extra leg room in here? Not me, I'm a shorty. Okay, yeah, so that's, they want the um, end, I, the, the aisle seat, don't they?
1: Um, and
0: also, those with weak others, aisle seats, yes? Yeah? Um, but as well, you've got those who are priority seating. So those who come on with enormous suitcases and they max out what they can get into a hand-hold-all for the flight so they haven't got to pay for an extra suitcase, Like you know those people who are taking all the space of their suitcases, like dropping them on people's heads as they're trying to wedge them <laughs> into the hold alls. And then you've got those as you're trying to leave the aeroplane, there's those who are like, I oh, really want to get off this really tight enclosed space. So they're like, should I let my neighbor out first or should I go first? And everyone is faced with that dilemma as they're leaving the aeroplane but i'm really excited about this whole series because this is a countercultural message okay the time of scarcity where inflation has hit 41 year high and when switching on the news we can see for the last year that food prices are going up that petrol prices are going up um, the, as people are looking at their bank accounts and noticing that they're dwindling, these are a worrying times for people, right? But in the middle of that, God brings his message. You know what, there are other messages. Um, on the, in the community where I work, I heard someone say, in these days, you've got to look after yourself. In these days, you've got to get what you can. You've got to hold on to what you have. But as Pete set up the message last week, we serve a generous God, a God who is giving, a God who sent Jesus to this earth. This is the big story of God. His only son came to this earth to die for us, to live his life as a servant so that we could live, to give his all. This Jesus is the one who, in the final days before he goes to the cross, is washing the feet of his disciples, his friends. He's on his knees, a posture of service for the world that he came to serve. How incredible is that? And this Jesus, he is now the head of the church. He's the one that we serve. Christians, it means little Christ. We are called to follow the example of Christ, being a servant to all want to live lives that are generous, then the key to unlocking generosity is first to know this Jesus, this King Jesus. And um, it says in 1 Peter, chapter 4, verse 10, it says this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. God is a generous God who wants to impart gifts into each of our lives. It says, use whatever gift you have. That, there's a presumption there in the text that we have some gifts to give, okay? And um, and it says, whatever you have received, use it to serve others. These aren't gifts for our own, you know, for our, us to use for ourselves, for our own <laughs> desires. But these are for us to serve others, And then there's a story in the Bible, Matthew chapter 25. I'm not going to put the text up on the screen, but it's basically about this man who's going away on holiday, going away on a journey, and he gives five talents to his servant. One servant, he gives five talents. To another servant, he gives two talents. To another servant, he gives one talent. And while he's gone, he expects some kind of return On those gifts, on those talents that he's given out. Now, this is a picture of God, in case we're not getting what this story is about. This story is about a God, about Jesus, who's now back in heaven. And he has left the church with some gifts in their hands, some talents. And one day Jesus is coming back, just like that man came back. And when he came back, he said um, to the one person who gave five talents to him, he says, you know, okay, so uh, what do you have for me? It's like, I've got another return and another five, so not five, now we've got ten. And then for the other one, it's like, I've not got two anymore, now I've got four. And for the other one, well, the other one, unfortunately, they hid their talent. They didn't use their talent. Now, what strikes me about this text is the entrustment. God trusts his church with his gifts. He trusts and the way that I think about this is I'm going on holiday in a couple of weeks. One of my most precious prized possessions is my dog. I do not entrust my dog to anyone, okay? I will find and I will look for someone who knows about dogs. Someone I can trust who will walk that dog for one hour every day not one minute less. They can go one minute more if they like. But I'm looking for someone I'll trust. And God is looking, and he's scanning his church. And he's like, who can I entrust with my gifts? And he's scanning Springs Church today, and he's saying, I trust you. I trust you guys with something special here. But this story also says to me that we are to use these gifts wisely. We we are to spend, the way that we serve with these gifts, we're to use it wisely. Because I don't know about you, but I could say. Spend my time like 10 times over. I've heard retired people um, that just retired and they're like, I'm busier than I was when I was at work, right? We can spend our time so easily. And in a world where the NHS is oversubscribed, we have a mental health crisis. And in a world where there is so much need, church, I want to say to you, we need to spend our gifts, our talents, our time wisely yeah. because one day Jesus is coming back yeah. and He's going to ask us, What did you do with what I gave you? And you know, one of the things since COVID, and one of the things not just since COVID but always that breaks my heart is when people um, don't use the gift that God has in them. You know, since COVID, um, volunteering across the whole of the UK, not just in the church, has dropped to an all-time low. People have stopped giving up their time. People have become tired and stressed out. I was at Mary Hill the other day, and this lady said to me, how are you? And I hesitated in my response, partly because I was looking to how I was going to pay, and so it was a hesitation. And so she filled in the gap for me, and she said, are you tired? And I went, actually, no, I'm not today. Actually, it's my day off. And she went, Everyone says, I'm tired. Whenever I ask them, how are you, they say, I'm tired. And that is the state of the nation, but also I would suggest that it's crept into the church as well. And what breaks my heart even more, you know, we sang that song um, today, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. What's broken my heart the most is people I've looked up to. People, when I was a teenager, I saw in the church, and I was like, I want to be like them. I want a relationship with God like them. I've seen people like that not come back to church since COVID. And for some of them, they are nowhere. Now, I would know over God, and I would want to say in this moment that it feels a little bit like, in our serving and in our giving, it can be possible to lose sight of the why we do this. Why we serve. Lose sight of Jesus. We need a vision of Jesus. If we are going to continue on in our serving and our giving, we need a picture of Jesus. Now, of course, in the Bible, um, it says that Jesus never leaves us or forsakes us. But I want to suggest that it's possible for us to move and for us to lose sight of the why and potentially lose Jesus. Now when you start off on a journey and I want to think, us to think about our walk with Jesus, okay? There's a beginning, yeah? Yep. There's a middle, yeah? And there's an end. get to the middle, when you start to get to those sleepless nights, right, it's a challenge. And I can remember my brother going back to the relationship thing. I mean, we used to call him Mr. Smooth because when he was dating, his new girlfriend, I mean, his wife who he's married to now, he sent a bouquet of flowers that was so big, she needed two members of staff to help her to carry the flowers back into the car. Okay, And she jokes now in the family because she's like... Where are my flowers now, right? <laughs> yes, no, we're but in the beginning, you have energy, don't you? You have energy, you have like this passion. And when you think about planting a church, you're eight years old now, Springs. Yeah. When we think about those early days, I can remember those early days, you know, we were excited, we um, we planted on Milking Bank at the time in school, and it was by invitation of a head teacher who wasn't a Christian. And he said, the children in my school could be your next congregation. What a prophetic word. We were so excited about that. We were like, let's get the PA in now, into that school hall. Let's start this church. We were doing, like I say, people like Liz Liz and myself, we were doing kids work every week. We were doing worship every week. We were doing both every single week just to make it happen because we were excited. We experienced the presence of God. We saw people get saved. We were super excited in the first 10 years we gave away £100,000 to mission. How exciting, right? And then there's the ending, right? The Bible has a lot to say about endings as well. And it talks about the joy of completion. There's a joy in the completion. Complete that dissertation for college. Complete paying your mortgage Write off your debt, right? There's a joy in that completion, yeah? When you send your kids off to uni, that's me this year, I'm like, woohoo! trainers, not got a clue what we're about to encounter. And we just went. We were excited and the excitement got us halfway up the mountain. It was a great day out but we never completed it. We never had that joy of completion. And so I'm going to talk about this middle section where we can lose the joy of serving Jesus. Lose the joy. Potentially lose Jesus. And I don't want that for any of us in this room because I have to say, there is nothing greater Than serving Jesus. There is nothing more fulfilling. And so I want God to break into our middle today. It can be in the middle of our marriage, in the middle of the place where we need a breakthrough today. We've talked about that, haven't we? God, we need a breakthrough. God, we need a miracle. I believe Jesus can meet you in that today. In your slog, in your struggling, in your middle. Jesus wants to meet with you. Let me read this story to you that I felt inspired to bring to you today. So it's from Mark 6, verse 45. It says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, after leaving them, he went upon a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out, because they all saw him, and they were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down, and they were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves, their hearts. Were hardened. Now let me give you some context for this story. This story follows um, the bit that has been super exciting where Jesus has fed 5,000 men plus women and children. This was a good day to be a disciple of Jesus, okay? So um, everyone got fed. It was an incredible day. When everyone's fed, everyone's happy, okay? It's the miraculous. Who wants to be following Jesus on the days of the miraculous, yeah? Yeah? This was a good day to be a Jesus follower. And then shortly after we see this bit here where it's Jesus who gives out instructions. Do you remember the day, Pete? Do you remember the day when Jesus gave you instruction to plant a church? Do you remember that day? Okay. And we don't always like the Jesus of instructions. There's a lot of people who do not like the instructions when building furniture from IKEA. Um, but they are important, okay? So Jesus comes here and he says, immediately Jesus made his disciples, get into the boat and go on ahead to Bethsaida that is his instruction, get in your boat and row that is the instruction they are moving behind the spectacular and now they are being called to do something quite ordinary row the boat row, row, row your boat, right? they were fishermen, they knew how to do this it's very, very easy and so they did that now, rowing the boat can look very ordinary. And when Jesus says to us, go and uh, feed the poor, go and help in Black Country Food Bank, go to your connect group, go and, uh, alone in a room and pray, these things can look so ordinary, can't they? Go and love your neighbor as yourself. It can look ordinary just buying flowers or looking after their needs. So And then it goes on and it says, Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on the land. And he saw the disciples, and they were straining at the oars, because the wind was against them. So then it gets interesting. It gets difficult. The winds were pulling back the disciples. And I, I wonder, for those of us who've been a Christian a long time, whether those times in our lives where it feels like the winds are against us. You ever had one of those times? The winds are against you. Well, this was one of those moments here um, for the disciples. And I wonder at this point how tempting it would be to go back to the safe place that you once knew. Yeah? In the middle of the difficulty, maybe it would just be easier to go back. Back That's where Jesus is, on the shore, right? Back to that old relationship. Back to that place where I last felt comfortable. And I love this, Jesus is watching. The disciples are there straining at the oars and Jesus is watching. Yeah, thanks a lot, God. And I wondered if this was a parenting moment, right? There was times when my boys were playing football and early on they would um, take a ball to the face, right? They would cry. And i was like, is this the moment where I run onto the pitch and go and help him? Or is this one of those moments where I just stand here and just watch it all play out? Okay? And so I wonder if this was one of those moments where Jesus was like, I'm just going to watch this play out. Um, but you know, straining at the oars, it's not pretty, is it? It's not a pretty sight. And here you are, springs, eight years in. And I can imagine there could be some straining at the oars. There can be straining at the oars in our personal going on right now in the dark of the night that no one else knows about in this room. But I want to tell you what this story tells me is that Jesus sees you. Jesus is on the shore and he sees you. He sees you straining at the oars. You see, when the winds come, they can cause doubt and confusion. Uh, we can be waiting on God for, you know, the unanswered prayer. We can be waiting a long time. Maybe we can be serving and giving and we're like, God, I'm just not sure I'm seeing the results right here. It feels a bit like I'm straying of yours. I'm doing all the right things, but the winds are against me. How I many you like go, God, do you see? Do you see? And Jesus sees. In this story, Jesus sees. He sees it all. And I want to say to tonight, today, Greater is He within you than the waves and the winds that you face right now. Greater is He that is in you. Now the next part of the story had me really amused because shortly before dawn, um, He went out to them, which sounds great, walking on the lake, and it says He was about to pass them by. So Jesus comes out to them. There they are, straining at the oars, and He was about to pass them by. And then in the next verse, um, um, the disciples start to freak out, right? They're terrified. They didn't recognize that right before them is a miracle about to happen. This Jesus comes to them in the night, and they're like, what is that? Like, they never thought for a minute that that was Jesus. But Jesus comes in the middle, in the middle of what's going on. And I want to say for us as a church, yes, we've been going for 20 years now, but there has been times where we've been straining at the oars. But Jesus has always come to us right in the mir- middle with His miracles. And uh, Jesus is the great provider. You know, I'm so grateful for this church for those of you who've helped um, helped the wider church as we did Revive Project during COVID. You know, one year before COVID happened, someone came to me with a prophetic word, and they're like, I see this picture of you, and it's a picture of you, and you're about to climb a mountain, so this is unconnected to Snowden, by the way, um, but you're about to climb a mountain, and there are these people coming along, and they're giving you shopping bags full of supplies for your trip, and I'm like, oh, Covid, that's an interesting picture, I have no idea what that meant. One year later, we're in COVID and we're leading on holiday hunger and we're like, should we go on this? Is this what we should do? Where where will all this stuff come from? You know, uh, feeding 1,000 children, at Easter, where will it all come from? Will we have enough volunteers? Will we have enough supplies? But God came and turned up in miraculous ways. We spent tens and tens of thousands of pounds providing activities and food for children in the holidays. There's been times in our history where we're like, we can't run a youth club here on Russell's Hall. Like we don't have enough youth workers, right? And the youth on here, whoo, they're wild. Okay? <laughs> we, we tried running one before, we had to call the police, right? Um, but then Faith Trust come along, a charity, and they're like, We'd love to run a youth club together with you. You give us a couple of volunteers, we'll give you our expertise and our staff members to do a stay and play. This is all before we've got our own building, by the way, and we're like, um, let's borrow the merchant's toys on Russell's Hall. Let's ask them to borrow their toys if we've got no toys. And so we could hire that church where they are and we could use their toys. And so we approached them and they said, yes, you can use our toys, but could we also give you a member of staff to help to staff this stay and play that you want to set up? Oh, we've always wanted to do this. And so... In in our struggles and in our do we have enough, can we do this? God has always turned up for us. And I want to encourage you in that today. You know, our biggest challenge of all was coming out of COVID. It was a huge challenge. We were a church without a building, right? Our journey has been so similar to yours. We were at Milkenback Primary School, and they said, you can't come back because of COVID. We've got live cases of COVID in here. They said, actually... We're not really sure it's the right thing that you come back at all. Maybe you should look for an actual church building. And we're like, oh, well, that wasn't really on our agenda, but okay. And so in the interim, we met on car parks. We had a car park that was joined to our office. We had church on the car park through okay. the summer. It shone every single time we met. It was right. amazing. But we knew the winter was coming, right? And then some kind friends of ours said, oh, well, you could use our church buildings. We were in this kind of temporary ground, but we were like, God, hello I'm straining at the oars here we've got some stuff everywhere we've got an office over here we've got like a pie over here we've got the garage filled up over here like um what are you doing exactly and then the church of england approaches us and they say we've got a building on russell's hall oh, yeah. you know that place where they didn't say this but that place where we've had many prophetic words about it, that place where we sense god's calling us to well this church and we're going to close it down we don't want to stay on for houses like every every other bit of land on Russell's Hall, but we want to keep it. And we see that you've got a missional presence on Russell's Hall. Um, we've got the building, but we've got no missional presence. We've got no church. Would you like to work with us? And maybe we could give you a lease, which is um, it's called peppercorn, which means no rent for like 12 years. And so we came to this agreement, and now we have our own church building. That was a nice 20th birthday present, wasn't it, for us, from God. Amazing. And so God has turned up in these incredible ways. And I want to say about this story, that Jesus comes to his disciples when they're straining at the oars. But you know if the disciples would have turned back, they would never have seen the Jesus who walks on the water, the miraculous You see, so many people in the communities that Jesus visited, they knew the Jesus who had, who was the Jesus with sand beneath his toes and in his toes and this kind of sand-wearing Jesus, right? They knew that Jesus. But these disciples who'd been straying at the oars, who were obedient to to what Jesus had told them to do-go to Bethsaida, those who remained obedient-Jesus met them in their struggle and they saw the miracle working Jesus who walks on water. I don't know if you want to see that Jesus Springs church. Do you want to see that Jesus? Well, this is the thing. You know when you want to go to see your favourite band in concert? And you know if you want the front row of seats? It's expensive, right? When I want to go and see, my, my son wanted to see Coldplay this year, and I was looking at the tickets I was like, what now? We had to work out worth the price for the front tickets? Is it worth paying that amount of money for front row tickets? But you see, if you want front row access to all that Jesus is doing here in this town, in your life, it's expensive. It costs you know what it costs? All of us. Our everything. All that we are. Straining at the oars. But yet, obedient. You see, on this kind of day, the people weren't entertained, the disciples weren't entertained. But that miracle sustained them for what was next, as they landed ashore. It sustained them. It didn't entertain them, but it sustained them. And so I want to conclude with Jesus' words to his disciples, because Jesus gets in the boat with his disciples. Would you stand with me? You see, I believe, church, that Jesus, this miracle-working Jesus, gets in the boat with us in our lives. I don't know what winds are against you today. I don't know which part of your life where you might be straying at the oars. Springs Church as a whole and together and all that you've been called to. I don't know where you might be straining at the oars today. But I know that Jesus wants to get in the boat. And when we get a picture of who Jesus is, we'll serve and we'll serve and we'll row and we'll grow. Because when you've got a picture of this Jesus who sustains you, You will not stop and you will not hold back. These are the words that Jesus came and brought to his disciples on that day. He said, firstly, take courage. I wonder if anyone needs some courage here today. (coughs) Secondly, he said, it is I. Jesus, it is I. And then thirdly, he says, don't be afraid. And I believe that that same Jesus saying the same to us here in this place today. And so I wonder today, if anyone needs to take courage, I'd like us to respond in this moment to what Jesus might be saying and what he might be doing. In your middle moment today, in the middle of where you're at, of where you're rowing, of where it's difficult, I wonder today if anyone needs courage in this place. And if you do, I'd like you to just lift up your hands towards God as a sign to God. Yes, God, I need courage. Or if it's you need that picture of Jesus, it is I. That understanding that it is the Jesus that called you in the first place. Or maybe you need some. You need to not fear. Maybe it's something that is holding you back today from something that God has called you. So firstly, let me pray for those who want to take courage. If you lift up your hands. Good God, I want to pray for everyone in this place who needs to hear the words, go for it. Maybe they've been burnt on something before. Maybe there's been a reason where something didn't work out in the past and they're just not sure if they should take courage. But God, I pray that in this moment that they would know you, Lord, as the Jesus who gets in their boat and is the words in their ear to take courage and to not hold back. And then for anyone in this room where... You need to know these words, it is I, the one who said, see you in Bethsaida, the one who gave you the instructions, and you're like, is it you, God? Are you still with me, God? The one who said, go and row your boat, and you did it. But maybe today you need a reminder of why you do what you do. Maybe you're tired as your hands are on the oars. Of your boat, maybe you're tired and you just need a picture of that it is I the Jesus the one who asked you to do this the one who called you Jesus I pray that you would reveal yourself in these moments bring words of reminder reminders of those initial words that were spoken those initial instructions thirdly, he said, do not fear. So often I see fear rob us of the joy that Jesus wants to bring. In the risks that we take and in the ways that we step out, sometimes fear wants to rob us. Those times where we're like, but will God come through? But will he do this for me? I know he told me to step out, but I'm feeling quite fearful now of what could be, what might be. Jesus wants to come to you in this moment if you want to lift your hand and acknowledge and say, God, I've been scared. But in this moment, as Jesus gets in your boat, fear is gone. Winds and waves stop. The dawn is coming, the shore is coming, the miracles are coming. You know, when they arrived on the shore, miracles started to break out. And the disciples, they were like, we saw Jesus walk on water. They never said that, but that knowledge would have to believe again in the miracle-working power of this Jesus. And you know, for us as a church, since we've moved into that building, since we took a huge step of faith, taking on a building, will this building be a liability, or will it um, be the, the vehicle for mission that we so need? It was a risk, right? But I want to say we've seen the rich tapestry of God at work. We've seen an atheist who was brought up as a radical Muslim come to faith in his life. I can't, I couldn't, I can believe in him. And it's been beautiful to see the church serve us. They seen God turn up for us in miraculous ways, to see the church help some of the most vulnerable people. He was waiting on a care package, his house was a mess, the church went in. Those who could clean did some really ordinary things. They got the polish out and the duster out, they got the wipes out, they got the mops out. They did ordinary things. One lady, she's from the Middle East, just like this vulnerable man. She made him Middle Eastern food, how blessed was he? She cooked up his favorite dishes. You know, when the church is in action, sometimes it looks incredibly ordinary but it's part of God's miraculous plan. Lord, I want to thank you today that you are at work in this place. And Jesus, I pray that you would be here in this boat, stilling the waves, stopping the winds, stilling all anxiety, but coming in your miraculous power. Lord, may we see you when you arrive. May we hear your voice. May we recognize your face when a miracle, and you are sending a miracle this way into this church, may we recognize it when we see it. Jesus, I pray for springs, God, that you would bless them abundantly. Father, you, those instructions that you gave them eight years ago, Lord, I thank you that even though the beginning has passed and now we're in the middle, I thank you that there will be a joy in the completion of all that you have said you will do, every prophetic word that has been spoken. I thank you that those days are ahead, but now in the middle, Lord, would you sustain your church, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more of our messages, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast channel for past preachers. If you feel like you got something out of today's message, why not share it with your friends and spread the good news of Jesus. We are praying for you. We love you. So please, if you need anything at all, check out springschurch.co.uk. God bless.